Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome to Bet the Edge on Tuesday, September 13th. Thanks to everyone watching on our NBC Sports YouTube channel. I'm Jay Croucher. This is Drew Dinsick. We're going to talk about the NFC North today. Some changing fortunes in that division. Then we're going to break down my favorite market, the Defensive Player of the Year market. My favorite market across all sports. And uh, the NFL will hopefully be kind to us this year in that regard. But first, Monday Night Football, Drew, um, yeah, controversial game, lots happening. What did you make of it? I mean, it wouldn't be a Seattle primetime game without some absolute ridiculousness at the end of that right. one. Um, major take, I, we don't need to get into the decision to kick versus go for it. I think that's bad fairly decision. well covered. It's a bad, it was a bad decision. Uh, but I think it, my major takeaway was that Nathaniel Hackett has, has put too much on his plate. He tried to install a new offense with a veteran quarterback uh, and is taken on play calling duties for the first time since 2018 when he was in Jacksonville. Oh, and he's the head coach. And I think all of that together, like he, he made it harder on himself than he had to. He was up against a, a very, very poor Seattle defense without their best player, Jamal Adams. He had four minutes and three timeouts and Russell Wilson. And all he had to do was get them in position to kick a go-ahead field goal. Instead, he got a, got cute and was like, I need to work all this clock down and then, you know, you know set us up. And, uh, and honestly, I think he froze. After the, uh, you know, the dump-off pass maybe caught him by surprise. Maybe he thought Russell was going to try to push it down the field more. Uh, he sees, you know, the dump-off happen. He's like, oh, gosh, we're going to have a fourth and long. Then Jamal, I mean, excuse me, Javante Williams breaks all those tackles. And now he's like, well, we're at a point where we could kick. Do I kick? Do I go for it? What am I calling if I go for it? It felt like the moment was too big for him and he froze. Uh, he trots his kicker out there, try to save it, and uh, it just doesn't work out. So um, Hackett needs to probably delegate some of these responsibilities a little better or else we're going to see a lot more of this. And uh, other than that, Russell Wilson wasn't impressive. Um, decent chance he may not be the player we once saw when he was at his peak for this, yeah, at least this season. Uh, wasn't impressed with many of the other parts of the uh, Broncos offense generally, even though they, they did uh, come up with quite a lot of um, you know, quite a lot of yardage there. The key takeaway from what do we do betting here? Seattle's defense is poor. Denver should have had like 30 points in that game. Uh, and I think that opens up an opportunity to get involved in this over with Seattle and San Francisco on Sunday. Yeah, I think to me, the main takeaways are one, both teams are more pass heavy than expected. Russell Wilson throwing, you know, I think a top 10 amount of passes in his entire career. First game in Denver, that's instructive, particularly given even though they were trailing the whole game, it was always relatively close. So they didn't have to pass as much as they did 
in terms of being dictated by the game script. And then even more surprising is the fact that playing with a lead, Pete Carroll wouldn't refuse to run the ball despite Rashad Penny averaging five yards per carry. So that was strange as well. So Geno Smith getting the, the chef's hat, I wouldn't expect that every single week, but that was, I think, a little bit surprising, the fact that he had 28 pass attempts and they only had 19 carries. But I wouldn't worry too much about the Broncos just because week one with a new coach and then also the fact that they had to fumble twice at the goal line and completely butcher an end-of-game sequence to lose by one point on the road. They should have won that game fairly handily. Uh, and their schedule in the early going isn't too difficult, so I suspect they will turn it around. Now, we're going to dive into the NFC North. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's old team, the Green Bay Packers, are certainly... Uh, well, I guess maybe they are the buzziest team in that division in terms of negative or positive, depending on your, your slant on the Vikings. But I think the Packers were one of the big stories out of week one, just as they were last season. Uh, and that's another point to raise is they did lose 38-3 to to the Saints last year. Uh, but how much are you adjusting your rating of the Packers after week one and, and losing badly to the Vikings? Um, my every single warning bell that could go off went off watching that wow. offense. Um, I thought they had a realistic shot of being able to play ball control in that game and have their, you know, be able to force their will, be the physical team, run it down Minnesota's throat. Um, but they got pushed off the line of scrimmage. Um, their offensive line is showing to be significantly weaker than we were expecting, which means if you only have, you know, one, you know, skill position player to go to in AJ Dillon of all play, of all people. Uh, then your offense is going to be pretty poor. And I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have to you know, find chemistry pretty quickly here to avoid digging himself a deep hole uh, in an otherwise um, you know, you know, winnable uh, NFC North. I think I, have, I adjusted uh, Packers offense uh, down to 15th in the NFL, wow. considering what we saw. And I'm prepared to go lower. If they don't wow, meet, their, meet their point total against the Bears, I, I mean, what like that, Tell me what about that performance inspires you offensively? I mean, if you want to say they treated that like preseason week four, and that they were just kind of getting some reps for their guys, and guys are getting their feet wet, sure. But the, the offensive line questions were real. I thought coming into the season, and the fact that Bakhtiari was, you know, maybe he was going to go, and then oh, actually, no, he's not close. That's a that's a red flag. Uh, you know, I, I'm I uh, I don't know where they go from here, but they don't have any weapons in the passing game that that scare me at all. Uh, and in general, um, you know, Rogers uh, having gotten paid, uh, you know, maybe not having as much to prove. I mean, there are a lot of narrative reasons to be scared about these guys, too. I would say with the Packers, the one area where I'd mitigate a bit of the pessimism is that one, they didn't have Alan Lazard. And for whatever that is worth, he is their number one receiver. Two, missing Bakhtiari and Jenkins, missing 40% of your offensive line. The concern there would be, well, why are they going to get David Bakhtiari back? Like, is that guy just gone? He just doesn't play anymore. So that would be something there. But I would almost be more concerned about the defense, which just got absolutely gashed. I know Minnesota yeah. didn't have the huge 
point total in the end, but they were doing anything that they wanted. Justin Jefferson was just roaming free. Uh, you might want to cover that guy. Uh, and it just <laughs> it seemed to me that I, I thought that the recipe for the Packers was they would be like the 12th best offense and they might have the fourth or the fifth best defense. And then you get to the playoffs yeah. and you have Aaron Rodgers and there's enough. But that yeah. defense did not look like it was going to be a top five unit. And that defense was not dealing with injuries the way the offense was. I do think the other thing is that if if Christian Watson just catches the 75-yard touchdown pass uh, that's wide open, are we thinking about that a little bit differently? Again, though, at the same time, he is Christian Watson, and he does drop 75-yard <laughs> touchdown passes. That's kind of part of the package. So they're still plus 120 to win the division. They're joint favorites with Minnesota. So I wouldn't be sounding the alarms as loudly on the Packers just because as well, you know, their next five games, they're 10-point favorites against the Bears on Sunday Night Football on NBC this weekend. And then they played the Bucks, which is obviously tough, but then Patriots, Giants, Jets. So really, they should be looking to come through that at, you know, four and one, and then they get to four and two, and then maybe yeah. there's a bit more rhythm in the offense, but certainly some concerns. Now, the other team that lost in the NFC North, but again, as is now their mantra of uh, just accumulating honorable losses, the Detroit Lions... <laughs> who uh, I think relative to market, we were both much higher on coming into the season, thinking that they might be a, a sneaky team that could make a playoff push um, and get to that 9-8 type of range. Did you see anything against the Eagles that changes your opinion on the Lions for better or worse? I actually have upgraded them, even though that was a game where you. they were down we're 17. Well, on offense, you have to, I think. Um, that offense Great. showed uh, pretty... I thought they... you know, And again, like... There was betting, pretty decent betting action against the uh, Lions as we went into that game. Uh, they got bet out from three and a half to five, right? Uh, that was mostly, I think, people concerned about some of the interior offensive line injuries. It looked like there was potential cluster injury brewing for the Lions that didn't end up actually mattering much. Um, and so I think uh, in general, you saw a unit that has some chemistry, has some high upside. Um, I have the Lions offense rated higher than the Green Bay Packers offense right now. Wow. Uh, they're, num they're number 13 <laughs> for me. Um, but at the same time, this the Lions defense was worse than I expected. There was, there, right. like, in the back of my head, I was like, man, you know, there's some good young players out there. Maybe they could not put. No, that, that unit was poor. Aiden Hutchinson was a no show, uh, which is no disappointing as a, as a defensive rookie of the year ticket holder here. Um, and I think in general, like, it, it's, you need to be, you need more than just, a rah-rah, play-hard kind of uh, mentality. You need better defensive scheming. Uh, right now, I have the Lions as a bottom-five defense. Uh, and I think that actually opens up opportunity to bet some overs. I played this over uh, on Sunday when it was in the 47 range. It's up to 49 now. I still think that's a fair play to the over. My, my total on that one is 51. Um, and I think, in general, the Lions are going to be a team that if you have a total under 51, you play the over. If you're catching more than a field goal, you take the points. And then we'll continue to adjust as we see them play out the schedule. Yeah. I think the thing with the Lions is that with Jared Goff, uh, who is much maligned, if you give him a clean pocket, he is totally fine. Uh, he's as good as the quarterback that he's going to be facing this week in Carson Wentz. To me, they're the same level. If you keep Goff relatively clean yeah. and this offensive line – I think is is maybe the most underrated unit in all of football. This is a good offensive line that they have. And then, you know, to your point, they do have weapons. You know, Amon Ra St. Brown, he kept up his form that he showed in the final six weeks of last season. TJ Hawkinson, DJ Chark, DeAndre Swift, 
175 yards from scrimmage. That was a career high. So I think there's a lot to like. But yeah, the defense uh, is going to be problematic uh, because the Eagles, uh, they ran the ball um, at will. Jalen Hurts seemed to do whatever he wanted, particularly with his legs. So a lot of problems uh, for the Lions. And this is, you know, this is crunch time for them. Week two, two-point favorites against the Commanders between one and a half and two, which is the market saying those teams are basically even, neutral field. Uh, and if they're going to make a playoff push, they have to be better than the Commanders. If they go 0-2, then uh, it's going to be a pretty steep climb from there. Now, Drew, in case you missed it, Matthew Berry's new show, Fantasy Football Happy Hour, which I will be on in 63 minutes, uh, <laughs> is on NBC. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World doing what he does best. There he is on the screen holding a football in two hands. He rolls out his love-hate <laughs> list, breaks down who to start and sit and much more. And there'll be plenty of betting action, uh, actionable betting information along the way. Matthew's getting really into the betting. He's messaging me last night about his Albert O over that I told him oh, to take, yeah. which came right down to the wire. So he's all in on the Never betting scene. Doubt. Never in doubt. <laughs> Never in doubt. They were playing 17 <laughs> tight ends last night. The Broncos but still managed to hit the over. Uh, so check it out. The show weekdays on Peacock at 12 p.m. Eastern. And then also the fantasy football pregame show with Matthew Berry, myself and Michael Smith on Peacock uh, at awesome. 11 Eastern uh, on Sundays. And if you listen to it in podcast form, make sure to download and subscribe. You can get that wherever you get your podcasts. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds? Fast and easy live betting? Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sportsbook partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts, all in a fast and reliable sportsbook. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, and Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.com. 
www.thebetsoff.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. 467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms and conditions for more details. Now let's talk about the two teams that won in the NFC North, the big trendy team <laughs> of the week, the Minnesota Vikings. Kevin O'Connell is now favorite for coach yeah. of the year. Kirk Cousins is shortening for MVP. People have given offensive player of the year to Justin Jefferson already. Uh, are the Minnesota Vikings the best offense since the 2007 Patriots? What say you, Drew? I mean, we might have to go back farther. No, uh, to, no, they're not the best offense since the Patriots, but they're very good. Um, I thought, I, I, uh, I, you, there are teams that get trendy in the offseason. Vikings were one of them. Uh, I kind of put my uh, contrarian hat on and was hopeful that there was going to be some growing pains early so that I could kind of let the let the heat sizzle a little bit let let them cool off and then scoop some value on some stuff didn't break that way this team is going you know one direction in terms of market perception uh the way that you look at the market right now they've been bet aggressively under 3 against the uh, on the road against the eagles on monday night football uh this total also got completely smashed that is telling you that the market saw that tape against the Green Bay Packers, and they said, these guys are for real. They're being graded as a top-five offensive uh, unit in general right now. Um, But the defense, I don't believe to be as good as what we saw against the Green Bay Packers. I hold that more on Green Bay not being ready for that game. Uh, And I think that, in general, the offense may be a hair overrated just because of the fact that it looked like Green Bay game-planned for a different team. I mean, I don't know how else how else to say it. It did, you know, the you know, anytime you're matching up linebackers and defensive ends against Justin Jefferson, your game plan was not good. So uh, I don't necessarily expect to see that from the Eagles. Although the Eagles definitely had their own defensive problems against the Mighty Lions. So um, you know, it's gonna it, it may be a couple weeks till we can take any action on this. But uh, I think if you don't have the Vikings as a top ten offense right now, you need to revisit that tape. Uh, and I think the defense is still a team that you can bet against to a degree with the matchup is right. And it may be right this week if we're catching under three points. Yeah, I think that the the key and the most interesting stat Vikings out of the weekend is from Dwayne McFarlane that last season, Justin Jefferson, 24% of his targets came when he had a linebacker or a safety in primary coverage. Week one, that was up to 60%. At 148 yards and two touchdowns going up against linebackers and safeties in primary coverage. And that just speaks and reinforces the entire positive outlook that was shaping what we thought of the Vikings in the offseason, that Kevin O'Connell was bringing this offense into 2022 after they'd been stuck in 1874 with Mike Zimmer just incessantly (laughs) running the ball with Dalvin Cook. And now, I mean, you saw everything that you wanted to. And Kirk Cousins, for all his sins, for all his memes, he is good enough where he can approach a season like Matt Ryan had in 2016 if everything breaks right with scheme, with the talent around him. Uh, So I, I would be buying into the Vikings offense. I will say that this team, just in general, there's not much depth. Uh, and yeah. so right now they're a team to bet, but I wouldn't be super bullish on them, you know, looking like this in week 15, week 16. They don't have cornerbacks. 
They don't have much. If Daniil Hunter or Zadarius Smith goes down on the defensive line, it's not much there after them. Yeah. Uh, and those are guys who have been injured a lot lately. So I would caution against season-long optimism for the Vikings. But certainly right now, uh, they are an elite offense. Yeah, we agree. This ain't your grandpappy's Civil War era Vikings. Uh, <laughs> good. good to get that one intro. Um, all right, the Chicago Bears, the other one in OT. Uh, destroyed a lot of survivor pools, the Bears, because uh, yeah. the Niners, when they're trending six and a half, seven point favorites. Uh, and look, I don't think you can read too much into the game just because of the conditions, because of all the weirdness around San Francisco, because of Trey Lance. Uh, but at the same time, the Bears' defense, even with the conditions, yeah. I think that's a unit that may have to be upgraded. Didn't really like yeah. what I saw from the offense, uh, even though they got the win. But what are you doing with the Bears' defense now in terms yeah. of how you assess it? Uh, you got to upgrade the Bears. I upgraded them from bottom one to bottom three. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's in seriousness... Jaquan Briscoe? It, yeah, in, in seriousness, though, uh, that under on Sunday night looks like a beauty. It's 42 and a half. That's low. But, uh, you know, I do think that uh, the Green Bay defense will show better against Fields. A lot of sack potential for Rashawn Garrett, which we may get to in a moment. Um, but uh, I like that under a lot, even at the even though it's been steamed past the key of 44 and 43. I think that's uh, that should be a 41 point total. Yeah, I like that. And I think that the Bears, they showed on Sunday that yeah, they might just be more more competent. And maybe they're not a team that should be consistently double digit underdogs as would have been envisioned before the season. But unless that offense can look better then I don't think. For, like, they have the same odds right now to win the NFC North as the Lions. I see no upside in the Bears winning the division. I do see a narrow path for the Lions just because the offense is more explosive. Uh, but like you mentioned, Drew, the Bears, they do play on Sunday night. And just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Bears and the Packers in our Sunday night seven contest i'm going to predict that the green bay packers win that game okay defensive player of the year this is a market like that broke my heart 10. last year drew i had a hundred yeah. to one micah parsons ticket he went into week 17 as the favorite and then baker mayfield uh crushed me and my family's hopes and dreams by getting sacked four times by tj watt uh on a monday night uh which is yeah. a game that i still see uh when i close my eyes late in the evening <laughs> defensive player of the year this year the big news already, TJ Watt, Peck uh, injury is even if he's not going to miss the whole season, he's going to miss enough of it to exclude him from this award. He was the favorite going into the year or joint favorite with Miles Garrett. Now, as we look at the favorites, I mean, it's the same names every year. It's Miles Garrett plus 500, Aaron Donald, Micah Parsons, who's now going to be in that mix for the next decade, mm -hmm. Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Joey Bosa, Rashawn Gary. Who do you like in DPOY? <laughs> Oh, man. Very, very, very tough to break this market down as currently stands. And I agree with your general sentiment that um, there should be some actionable way to attack now that TJ Watt is out of the picture because Watt made the splash plays. And, you know, even though he was not the most defense valuable defensive player last year, I had him third. Um, his splash plays were so incredible that you couldn't help but kind of get the impression if all you were doing is watching SportsCenter and listening to Talking Heads, and that's the, how the voting block ended up attacking. Um, as 
you know, I think at this moment, uh, is there a way to capture some value on a, a guy who wasn't especially impressive, but did at least get a counting stat week one? I think Rashawn Gary is that guy. He's going up now against a, an offensive line that I think is still bottom uh, of the NFL in Chicago on Sunday night football. Uh, if he can get, uh, you know, a, a, like a hat trick of sacks and a couple extra pressures uh, in this game tonight, I think he can launch himself back into the uh, the discussion there. Um, he was as short as I believe about 20 to one, 16 to one at some of the market making shops. He's drifted now out to 33. Uh, and I think this is a, and he basically my strategy for DPOI is going to be who are the bears playing this week? Is there a player that could gain equity by playing the bears? And that week, this, this week, that's Rashawn Gary. Yeah. Rashawn Gary is my pick in the preseason. And look, the fact that books are drifting him after week one, that's wrong. He should shorten after <laughs> yes. week one. He got sacked against the Vikings who yeah. Kirk Cousins doesn't usually, he doesn't get sacked. He gets rid of the ball very quickly, typically. Yep. So that's fine. And then TJ Watt exited the market. He was the favorite. So Rashawn Gary can't <laughs> drift after that. So I, I like 33 to one. That would be my favorite bet in the market as well. Some background on this market. Past 15 winners have all been on winning teams. So good luck, Micah Parsons, with Cooper Rush getting to a winning record. And then also the sack leader, who's only actually won DPOI five of the past 15 years. What I will say, though, is that if you lead the league in sacks and you're super famous, then you will win DPOY, particularly if you're on a winning team. So Miles Garrett, I think, is rightfully the favorite. I'm not sure Aaron Donald should ever, in his career after his rookie year, should ever have been like true price bigger than plus 650 to win DPOY. He's plus 700 right now. He got a yep. sack in week one as well. And Donald is a guy who basically... Like he will, he'll get the default vote. If there is no one who takes the award from him, then he will get the default vote because yeah. he is the deserving candidate every single year. And then, as you look throughout the market, like Khalil Macca plus twelve hundred can't get involved in that. Nick Bosa got a sack, but didn't play particularly well. Don't really like that. If you're looking further down, your man Jeffrey Simmons. You still like Jeffrey Simmons? Two sacks. I was going to ask you about him. Yes, I was going to ask you if you thought. Oh yeah, I know. I'm I'm betting to him in the eighty to one range. So glad that that's moving in my direction a bit. Uh, he was a ha- he was creating havoc plays, uh, and I wish uh, he had a healthy Landry next to him on that line. That would make me feel a little more comfortable. Um, but uh, he is still going to be super fun to watch and keep an eye on all season. I agree with your Mac take. Anyone that comes off a game against the Raiders is probably going to be a hair overpriced. Uh, and uh, and Nick Bosa only getting one sack against the Bears. That's a sell sign. Yep. No, I agree with that. I think uh, Rashawn Gary is the one and he really needs, he probably needs five sacks in his two games against the Bears because that's really where he's going to be able to face. But, you know, Miles Garrett basically did that against Justin Fields last year. So look for Rashawn Gary to cook. And if he does it as well on Sunday Night Football on NBC, that will be something that really ramps up his price too. Okay, on tomorrow's show, we're going to dig in to the week two lines uh, on tomorrow's show, project where we think the value will be, where we think the markets will move. I know there's a couple in particular that we like that I suspect are going to move a fair bit. So we'll jump into that tomorrow. For the time being, don't forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks for those of you watching us on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to subscribe and rate us. I'm Jay Croucher. He's Drew Dinsick. Drew, speak tomorrow.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 